passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind the Dynamite. It is John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Processing uh, the last two hours, the uh, the fallout and go home show all wrapped into one. The fallout and the, the fallout from all in and the go home show to all out. Yes. They had a lot to accomplish in these two hours. Mm-hmm. We will see how well how well they did uh, later on in the show. So welcome, everybody that is uh, joining us live here on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel. We will be getting into Dynamite shortly. How was your day, Way? Uh, not bad. I went to the X. Today. How was the X? Not bad. You know, it was nice. My Our first time taking Oscar there. And um, he's a bit too young to, I would say, appreciate most of it. But um, got us out of the house, had some uh, waffle ice nice. cream sandwiches. You didn't go for any of like the crazy food that they offer there? Not really. Like, I mean, what's what's really all that crazy these days? You know? Oh, they come up with it. It's it's really not my thing, but they always every year at the CNE they come up with just you know, your your food atrocities and and people willfully pay lots of money to eat these things and then yeah. Instagram them. I didn't really see anything that outrageous, like maybe or maybe just not all that appetizing. Um so no, did not do that. Okay, well, there you go. The chronicles of a uh, of fatherhood, which uh, I, I've I've heard private responses from people who uh, want us to continue with this. They said that they would. Uh, one person said, "Just just talk about." We've been fact checked apparently by something John mentioned about. Uh, oh yes, his yes. son. Yes, yes. I'm always I'm always being monitored, even when I'm <laughs> not aware of it. Well, we have a. A lot uh, up on the site today. If you want to go check out John Ceno and B Detroit, they have a review of last night's edition of NXT as well. Myself and Brandon Thurston were joined by Sean Rossap. A really great uh, show, I thought, today, going over 
all of the CM Punk story from many different angles. Uh, Sean was in London for the show over the weekend as well. So we got his uh, live perspective and reporting from there and a lot of breakdowns. So we will not uh, belabor all of it, but there is uh, more that has come out in the uh, last couple of days that we will uh, get into. But coming up this weekend, or I should say uh, over the next few days up at postwrestlingcafe.com on Thursday, we're dropping a near two hour mailbag show it is Ask Away. Myself and Way, we are going to be dusting off the mailbag. We have a lot of questions this month, so we are going to be going through all of them. Some really great questions. And uh, as always, um, we do our best from Shawn Michaels in 1998 playing What If to Weezer. We cover it all on this edition of Ask Away. Some really great questions this week, this month, or these past three months, I should say. So I'm um, looking forward to everybody listening to this one. Friday night, we're live on the post wrestling cafe at 10 Eastern immediately after SmackDown. And then we're back at you Saturday and Sunday night after each respective pay-per-view will be live after payback live after all out. And as well, Kate and Kate from Montreal and John Cena will have collision course this weekend on the cafe. So plenty to get you through the week uh, and weekend. So sit back and check out all of, all of the great fun that is to come. Also on Friday, we're going to be dropping something a little bit special. John took some time out of his, um, well, took took a lot of time out of his past week, of course, to write a, a really, really wonderful write-up of Terry Funk's career. And we recognize not everybody might be, you know, reading on postwrestling.com. You really should be. But some of you guys might prefer to get your information through podcasts. So I forced John to sit down on his, um, you know, very, very busy Tuesday to read this entire thing for your audio listening pleasure so forever hardcore the story of terry punk uh terry funk terry punk (laughs) i'm getting my i'm getting ahead of myself of course the story of terry funk as written and read by john pollock that'll be coming out on the free feed on friday this is the closest you're ever going to get to a book on tape for me i mean it's 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 53 minutes long it's pretty much an uh, an audiobook I knew it was going to be a, a lengthy one, but there you go. If you don't want to uh, sit down and read for all that time, you can uh, you can simply or listen. read along, like re- look do at both. the words yeah, do both. and listen to John read it out loud to you. Yeah. You could scroll down while I'm reading it for you, and you could just have the words. It's like subtitles. Exactly, exactly. Read out for you. All right. Um, so, wait. Since we last left off uh, with with the CM Punk uh, saga, should we call it a saga? Has this reached mm. the level of saga? I hate to label I think it I think that. it's graduated from incident. Sunday it was appropriate to call it incident. I think now it is a saga. I I don't like drama. Drama just is the catch-all for everything, like the CM Punk drama. I kind of I like saga, but I'm open to suggestions. You're talking about just the the Jack Perry thing being a saga or CM Punk in general. Everything since Sunday encapsulated. Mm. Okay. I don't if it's saga worthy i mean Not it really yet, was no. just one incident i mean certainly the the conversation maybe feels like it's a saga but i really don't think it's but there's been many I elements think. to this story from from travel woes to food mm. orders i mean it, right. it does it's saga worthy to me but we, we will okay. see so um it is it is of the belief that punk and jack perry have been suspended that has been uh reported by by multiple outlets at this point um with the addition that it sounds like CM Punk was not notified himself by AEW, but was notified through his lawyer. Um, 
Pro Wrestling Torch uh, has also reported uh, some kind of confrontation involving CM Punk and Tony Khan in front of others. Uh, and then in the locker room in what has been characterized as a heated, intense manner. And at one point, according to three sources who have heard about the situation, told Khan he quit and chewed out Khan with harsh phrasing, which apparently was pre uh, Jack Perry. Um, that's coming from the Pro Wrestling Torch side. Fast Hold on a forward. second. So that happened before the Jack Perry incident? That was my understanding of the timeline. Hmm. Okay, so he's he would be, uh, you know, I guess uh, chewing him out for some, something unrelated completely. Unknown, yeah. Okay. I mean, w- whatever the issue was, um, if accurate. So we fast forward to tonight, and there is no mention of anything. There is no Tony Khan off the top like we saw in Buffalo last year after All Out. Not a mention of him. Now, I suspect he was never scheduled to be here tonight because he's being honored tonight uh, at the cauliflower alley club in Las Vegas for Saturday. um, Yes, there is. He still does commentary for CFFC and they are doing cards on Friday and Saturday night. However, uh, punk is right there on the advertising on the site for Saturday. And I have a hard time imagining they would have, this would have been a CFFC card that they would have given him the night off to, to do. So I would think that that was, the intention was he would be there for the United Center shows and not tonight on Dynamite. But there was no mention of that. So we are going into Saturday, and you're of the impression that he's suspended. There were no angles shot. There was no reference to him in any way. I guess you're coming out of this. I think if you're following the story, you would not be expecting him on this pay-per-view. But they did not make that clear. And I think that there are enough fans out there that it is that are in Chicago that are leaving this show, um, at least with the, it, it is not uh, clear what his status is. And I'm sure there's some that, if they're not following the story, would absolutely assume that they're going to be seeing CM Punk if they buy this pay-per-view or buy a ticket to one of the shows on the weekend. I'd agree with both those things, you know, and I'm sure at this point they probably will be too. Um Clearly, perhaps they either don't know what they're intending to do with CM Punk and All Out right now, or they simply feel like um, announcing it on their show is potentially just, you know, bad PR that, you know, they don't, they'd rather like, you know, risk not having versus not announcing it and maybe disappointing certain sections of the audience who might be expecting. I'm not trying to diminish like the complicated nature of this, where it would just simply be. No, why, why couldn't you just state something? I understand there is probably a nightmare of headaches that are going on here. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp had reported that it seemed like the likely scenario was Punk against Ricky Starks for mm-hmm. Sunday. And I would think that even though that's a collision program, I would think you would want that known tonight, even if Punk was not there, just as opposed to having several days of promotion rather than the night before for what would be the biggest match on that card on, on Sunday with Mm -hmm. CM Punk in Chicago. And you can watch this and maybe their thought is that they are trying to find a solution to this and there might be a way to have them on there. But I do feel it's, I do feel to a degree you have to be somewhat upfront with your audience, especially like your paying audience that he's still like, if you go to the AEW site, like Punk's image is still there attached to these shows and you are in the, the business of promotion. And I, I also see the other side that if they come out and state punk is off the shows this week, you do risk that Chicago crowd this week 
turning on your shows and we are just bombarded with CM Punk chants throughout the week, including the pay-per-view. So there's not an easy answer to all of this, but you, they opted just to completely avoid it. And Tony Khan is now going to be doing this media call on, on Thursday. And you have to imagine, I'm sure off the top, he's going to state maybe a, a line or something, but I I think you have to do a lot more than just we're investigating this. And until we learn more, we can't state anything about it. It's like, listen, is you're, you're asking people to spend money on this show. This is, this is not just a mid-card guy. This is not just a part of the show. You booked the United Center because of this guy. I don't think these shows are happening at the United Center without this guy. And I think at some point you just have to state he's either on the show or he's off the show. And are we just going to be playing this game right up until showtime on Sunday? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to hope that tomorrow's, you know, media call will probably shed some clarity, maybe, uh, you know, under um, perhaps a smaller, like, mm, broadcasting platform, like a media call, he can let out that truth or whatever information or whatever decision he makes out there, and maybe not risk um, maybe greater sort of like um, online discourse if he had, for instance, announced it on on um, Dynamite, and then maybe from that point on, maybe you you begin an online campaign and then really confirm it to the masses on Collision. It, it, it you know, I I can't really. You're speak, you're going to run that risk of like there will be CM Punk chance. I think at these shows if he is not on. Them. Did you and think that they, that there would be tonight? Um, yeah, there might have been. I mean, if they had had stated it, I mean, there, there's ways you could have um delivered this message, but I mean, if this whatever the form is that you state this guy is not on the pay-per-view that's going to reach that audience and it's mm-hmm. like it's just there's there's no way to avoid it this is going to be like rick flair leaving for wwf when they did that great american bash show and throughout the shows in 91 of the we want flair chance i i just don't know like this is an audience that is just going to view the company as the company is withholding our hometown hero and that's how it's going to be. But we're talking about a pretty savvy audience that probably completely understands why. And I'm really even mm-hmm. curious at this point if Chicago um, punk diehard fans even have um, like what would be I mean, if they want to chant CM Punk, let them chant CM Punk. You know, what's what what's what's really the big harm in that? I mean, maybe that's just you. You just have to bite the bullet like this is mm-hmm. the crowd will react how they're going to react. And it's not the end of the world if we get. A crowd that is, you know, that, that's just, that's, that's part of having a live audience is that you cannot control what they're going to chant. And maybe that should not be the biggest concern about all this. There's mm-hmm. not having a CM Punk for the immediate future and, and maybe longer. There are larger problems than that. Like we're not even, like we haven't even discussed the fact that this Saturday, this is our second collision show against a WWE event that, I mean, we saw what SummerSlam did. Payback is not that level of competition, but nonetheless, like that's already you're you're facing stiff competition. And now we're looking at potentially punk off that show. And and I think we're going into a pay-per-view. That's certainly I mean, tonight it just feels like this is this audience is not ready for a pay-per-view so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um we do have a pretty full card, you know, um, maybe missing uh, one or two matches. But I mean, if this is the card, yes, they did get, did give us the matches, but I probably not that inspiring. Um, at least that's would, the, would Punk and Starks change your opinion. Hmm. 
I think it would add something. You know, having either of the world titles being defended, I think would have added something. Obviously, CM Punk attached to any show is going to add a whole lot of star power. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the card. I'm sure we'll later get into on. that as well. But um, that is the latest. Um, I do recommend people check out the uh, the chat we did with uh, with Sean Ross App today because uh, I really enjoyed it uh, quite a lot and going into many different. Um, uh, angles from the whole story so yes tony khan is doing a media call that will be thursday at 2 p.m eastern time and we mentioned the uh, the cauliflower alley club and their ceremony is going on tonight and beyond cm punk who is receiving the iron mike mazurki award we have ron simmons who will be receiving the luthez art abrams award uh, mickey james is going to be honored the nasty boys receiving the tag team award cool. what a series of speeches we have tonight i know I wonder if um, the CM Punk speech will make it online. Depends what he says, I guess. I guess so. Uh, others being honored, Coco Beware, Damien CCCs, Joe Malenko, Killer Carl Cox, posthumously, uh, Rhea Von Slashers getting the Independent Wrestling Award, Kevin Jeffries getting the Charlie Smith Referee Award, Al Burke, Koji Miyamoto, and then they always give out the Courage Award, which is just kind of on the fly. They they surprise somebody uh, with the announcement. But if you've never been to Cauliflower Alley Club, I always say I I highly recommend going. I had the chance to go twice. Uh, I would love to go back there someday because it's it's a really great time to very relaxed setting and so many people that you get to interact with and see and a lot of like this kind of a ceremony. It's it's such a laid back feel and it's not like you're uh, taping this for television and people are under time limits or anything. It's just, it's, it's a very cool setting and so much history attached to this. And it's a really worthwhile organization that you know tries to help out a lot of people uh, in the industry. So when a CM Punk comes to do this and it sounds like, you know, he could not have been more personable with all the people on Tuesday um, that he was there around taking pictures, hanging out with fans, but a CM Punk coming to do this, it does put a big spotlight on something like cauliflower alley. And I think it's, it's really cool that he went and did this, uh, accepted this in person, especially this week on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Like I'm sure he committed to this like weeks, if not months ago to, to come on a Wednesday to receive this award. All right. Uh, a PFL story, which I mean, certainly it will have its uh, connection to uh, a story that always comes up with, with WWE. And this revolves around the Professional Fighters League, the PFL, which has sold a minority stake in its company to a company that has been uh, launched called SRJ Sports Investments, which was launched through Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Um, the stake is um, it's a minority stake in the company that it believes it's believed to be about $100 million of infusion in cash. So this is Saudi Arabia getting into mixed martial arts in a in a formal way. This will see the launch of PFL MENA for the Middle Eastern North African region uh, with a league. And it seems that Saudi Arabia will be heavily helping PFL uh, expand its pay-per-views that would be staged in Saudi Arabia for their big uh, Super League cards, which would be their big pay-per-views. And that you have attached Francis Ngannou, Jake Paul, Kayla Harrison. Those are sort of your pay-per-view attractions. And it is interesting to see the discourse about this, that you know a lot of outlets that are looking at this and the problems of the Saudi Arabian government, but this is also something that you know, Francis Ngannou, he's having this huge fight with Tyson Fury in Saudi Arabia in October. Um, but this is just 
like WWE was one avenue and we're, we're seeing this, I mean, very heavily and prevalent in, in soccer, but in combat sports now, like we've seen Saudi Arabia uh, get involved in boxing and MMA. It was only a matter of time. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, have there been discussions about them trying to get any sort of ownership of the UFC in the past? And is, is this sort of a backup? Well, I mean, the UFC does have its its relationship with Abu Dhabi. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Flash Entertainment used to have a 10% ownership uh, stake in the UFC, which was then bought out by Endeavor. But that seems to be like they will not be uh, in business with Saudi Arabia. You also have Ari Emanuel, who, I mean, famously gave mm-hmm. all that money back uh, after after the Jamal Khashoggi murder. Um, although if if you've listened to him in recent uh, interviews, it seems like he is he has very much softened his stance on Saudi Arabia. In well, the he'll years be working with Saudi after he will be. Yes, like that's a hundred percent with through the WWE deal. So I mean that that right there. I mean that would be, um, you know, that's like you you can't just cut off a pipeline like that, um, regardless of what your moral standing might be. But anyway, it's it's a very significant story in uh, mixed martial arts with uh, the PFL getting a, a big injection of money and many, many people looking at the PFL as the likely ones to purchase Bellator and what that's going to mean for the MMA industry and and what it means for Bellator ultimately if it's just absorbed uh, pending that that being accurate and, and coming out as it is. Uh, some TV numbers uh, for everybody to uh, look at over the past couple of nights. We have uh, Raw on Monday night, which uh, which was up 5% this week. They did 1,677,000 viewers and a 0.51 in the demo. Um, the second most watched quarter and the highest in 18 to 49 was the ending of Chad Gable and Ludwig Kaiser. So obviously, hmm. and it, that also coincided with the start of Seth Rollins promo. So that was also in there, but um, interesting to see that uh, perform as well um, at that portion of the show. NXT on Tuesday did 614,000 viewers. So that was down 15% and a 0.16 in the demo. This is down from last week's heat wave special, but this was the lowest NXT viewership since July the 4th. And it was female viewers that were down a huge amount. I looked at this. Women 18 to 49, they did 43,000 viewers, which is the lowest amount NXT has done since August of 2022. So a whole year uh, since they have done such a, a low figure for uh, women in, in the key demo. But women were also down in 18 to 34 and 35 to 49 in a pretty significant numbers as well. So um, I guess the uh, the curiosity over, um, was there any curiosity on NXT? There was a steel cage match. There was uh, the who was going to Yeah, who's going to win? I always associate curiosity with NXT because it feels like every week they're revealing something, something hidden. The Street Profits showed up unannounced. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would, that, they didn't really announce any main roster people, even though there were appearances by Dominic and Rhea and the Street Profits, but none of that was advertised. And maybe that's also a signal. Like a lot of these numbers, they've been helped by this steady flow of advertised main roster talent from. Uh, and, and getting that that raw bump as well. All right, those are all your uh, television numbers. The last thing I wanted to uh, note here is that Impact, are you aware, Way, that they are about to have their 1,000th episode on September the 9th in White Plains, New York? The I city am. you always associate with TNA is White Plains, New York. I, I, maybe they booked it and then just realized, oh, 1,000 episodes. Uh, Someone John just, Cena. 
Um, John Cena might have been on cage match and realized it was episode 1000. Maybe he let them know. So mm-hmm. they are building this up as a really big card. They have announced so far Alex Shelley against Trey Miguel for the Impact title. Ultimate X, a, a feast or fired match. Ooh. The good old feast or fired match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie Kazarian and Tracy Brooks, uh, husband and wife uh, battle here against Eddie Edwards and Alicia Edwards. The the, reu- the reunion of Team 3D, Bubba and Devon together against a team to be announced. And then uh, they have also announced Gail Kim and Awesome Kong are going to team up. And Gail Kim is challenging any knockouts from the past to show up to either stand beside them or against them. Interesting. Okay. I mean, the fact that they she's opening that up suggests to me that it, it, they'll probably be working with them. And then other people will be against them. So, yeah, I think they've also announced the beautiful people for this show. But it seems like this is going to be Impact's version of your Raw reunion of some sort. Like all names from the past that you can uh, bring out to this show. So that's coming up on September the 9th. Sounds you know, cool. White Plains, New York. Yeah, I mean, it. it's... Like a, I'm very interested to see if like Impact can build up like a television show and really get a a boost for it. It's you know it's mm-hmm. it's a very good consistent show, but can they can they really build up a buzz? And this is probably their best chance to do it for an episode of television. Yeah, I wonder what other names will drop by. Oh boy, um, take your pick from TNA's history. Wow, Gunner. Um, I think he's retired. Is he? Not? Yeah, I guess not. I guess so. Okay. That is uh that is all your news. Uh, you can go to postwrestling.com for all of the latest. And of course, this weekend, uh, we will have you covered for all of the, the pay-per-view festivities. And then, of course, we will be live immediately after here on the Post YouTube channel. But into Dynamite we go from the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Last number from WrestleTix as of uh, earlier today was 3,569. And to compare that, last year they did all three nights at the now arena. They didn't run the United center, the dynamite that week, the first night of three, they drew 6,300. So that is the comparison. Well down from uh, last year and night one, but they start off the show. Lots of highlights of all in. I actually think they didn't air enough of these video packages of like this huge crowd because the way they started it, I thought the video package was great. It just made, AEW feels so huge and I would have used every excuse possible like coming back from break of like WWE does for a big show and just show that crowd as many times as you can on on television because it just it it made your product look so major league Mm. Uh, you're probably right you know and I think hopefully throughout the, the rest of their history they'll be using this incredible footage of all their roster members um um, just whenever they can. But I mean, I, we also kind of know AEW to not necessarily be formatted like that, you know, coming back from break and going to a bunch of video packages. I mean, they have other video packages to tell their other stories with. So going into tonight's show, they had announced Orange Cassidy against Penta and Adam Cole speaks. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else announced? I don't, I don't think anything else had been announced ahead of time. Um, I believe certain things were announced like in the few hours before the show. Like, um, I think the the Yuta Kingston match might have been that. Okay, but beyond that, really not much prior. Like yesterday. Well, we start off with John Moxley against Commander with Alex Abrahantis scouting in the corner, and early on, Moxley is sent to the floor, and Commander hits a big high cross, and then they're fighting on the turnbuckle. 
and looked like Moxley was ready to eat a headbutt and just like fell off the turnbuckle to get into position. And there's a twisting splash onto Moxley. And we go through the picture and picture commander goes to counter a power bomb into a face buster like Billy Kidman would do, but wasn't really timed well. And he still took a hell of a power bomb here, even encountering it. Commander then goes after the knee and then, uh, gets uh, a lung blower in and does the rope walk into a 450 landing on the knees moxie with the pile driver elbows rear naked sleeper as they're calling it the rear naked sleeper and when that doesn't work boom to the arm bar and submits him in eight minutes and 47 seconds um i, I thought personally like commander was really off here and and i found this to be like a um below par john moxley television match hmm um if par is pretty high, I suppose, you know, I, I thought it was just a pretty standard, like, you know, heat up your challenger ahead of the pay-per-view type of match. Um, not necessarily one that I think you'd be talking about um, in terms of like, you know, must see commander matches, nor must see John Moxley matches. So in that respect, sure, might be below their standard. There was a video on Orange Cassidy. He doesn't know the number of title defenses he's had, but he's going to keep defending it. And he's not taking a break after all in. And he's not the same Orange Cassidy from four years ago. And he's going to show John Moxley why. And uh, Excalibur notes that the Cassidy match will be the main event tonight. And I would say Orange Cassidy was kind of the star of the show. Very much so. Yes. Then we go for the first of, of several uh, locker room post-match comments from All In. The Young Bucks are reeling from their loss to FTR. And FTR come in and... Essentially, they state, we put our hands out. What was the deal with that? And Matt's explaining, tonight was supposed to be our big night. And essentially, it was a big understanding, or a big misunderstanding. Um, you know, he says, it's, it's been chaos backstage all day. We're, we're sorry. We're sorry, Dax and Cash. So they get up, and then the uh, Bullet Club Gold enter. And we've got the guns with Jay White and Juice Robinson, and they're making fun of all of them, calling this the winner's locker room. So the Young Bucks should leave. And all of this leads to a challenge issued. There's four of them and four of you. So we are going to have an eight-man tag at All Out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an eight-man tag. Um, why? Why are you smirking? Because it's uh, like, listen, I'll be a broken record throughout this show. I think Sunday will be a really like the matches will be very good. But man, um, I, I just found a lot of this setup to be number one you have you're you're cutting out any chance for anticipation because there's no time to anticipate any of this mm -hmm. so you're just pretty much this is a lot of throwing matches together and in most cases like you're coming off this gigantic show so you're not equaling what you just paid for you're coming up with like sort of rebound matches that feel below what you just paid for but you're being asked to pay the same amount for this on sunday Right. If either of the two didn't exist, you know, if all in didn't exist and all out did, or if all out didn't exist and all in did, you probably wouldn't have had any of these multi-man matches as it exists. It almost feels like, you know, we're kind of splitting maybe the valuable matches on between the two cards and then filling the rest out with multi-person matches. Now, you know, you do get the sense this is all, everything of course is being done to tell a larger narrative and whether if that's the Bucks continuing something with FTR, because otherwise, why wouldn't they have just done the handshake in the ring at all in? Or if they're trying to tell a bigger story with Bullet Club Cold and the Elite, that we'll probably get our next chapter there. But this is certainly not 
a pivotal like culminating match whatsoever it's the type of thing that'll get you to the next destination so that you can eventually get to your climax they recap Soraya winning the women's title and Renee is with Tony Storm who is happy for Soraya but she went off script and forgot her part and it affected my performance she can't trust Soraya she can't trust Ruby Soho she thinks Paul Turner should be sacked and she just yells off camera I can't trust anyone I can't even trust these shoes and throws them at Renee, uh, I again just I enjoy this version of Tony Storm. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, the the only thing that would have been better is if she had a championship and was having a celebration after thinking she won it on Sunday. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's she's been great at like you know trying new things and honing in on whatever this character is supposed to be. And I I don't recall like necessarily seeing this type of promo on Dynamite before. So, um, you know, now it's really not just exposed, but I think widely accepted by the masses. So um, it's great to see her be able to find a new, like, idea and a new character. Chris Jericho is out and he is, you know, selling the loss to Will Ospreay. He's looking all down and he's getting some applause from the crowd and he puts over the magic of all in one of the best weekends of his career performing in front of Fozzie's biggest audience on Friday, and then over 81,000 tickets sold. And that's a shoot, baby. And he does want to forget how he treated Sammy Guevara after the loss to Osprey. So he asks Sammy to come out. And he tells Sammy he was frustrated. He didn't know if Sammy had done enough to help him win, but then he watched the tape back. He saw Sammy use the bat, and he thanks him. He offers his hand. Sammy says, I've always got your back, and a little push isn't going to break us up. So Jericho then says that he was replaying the match in his head, questioning what he could have done differently. And maybe Sammy could have hit Will with the bat just a little bit harder. And Sammy says, wait a minute, repeat that. And this crowd starts chanting, you fucked up. I assumed it's Sammy, but I guess it could have been. Yeah. So didn't Hmm. exactly have the, uh, the sympathy of the crowd here. Sammy says, well, maybe you could have hit him harder with the Judas effect. And there you just go back and forth. He says, sometimes he tells Sammy to do something and it just doesn't happen like I envision it. And Sammy brings up the fact he left his pregnant wife in Orlando to fly over to London to help him out. And Jericho notes how there's plenty of guys in that AEW locker room who would have loved to have been on that show. Sammy says, yeah, it would have been nice if I could have wrestled it all in. And Jericho says, if you follow my advice for the next year, maybe you can be on the card next year. And Sammy says, well, I'm also going to learn from you how not to lose on the biggest card in history. And then Jericho brings up his loss in the four-way to at double or nothing. And Guevara brings up how Jericho won the title in this very arena at All Out 2019. But then the very next night, you lost the belt outside of a steakhouse. Which I don't know how much of a deep cut that is for, for maybe newer fans out there. But I figure enough people know that story. It is a long time ago that that happened. I mean, this is nothing new in AEW. I mean, this is a show built off of a YouTube show. Well, Jericho says, let's let's try and uh, put all this behind us, given our history, and let's reunite the sex gods and try to become the tag champions. And because this segment, I'm like, okay, it's either going to be these two against each other at All Out. And then when they go this way, I'm like, okay, they're going to team up at All Out. So we're going to start our run for the tag titles next week on dynamite and they hug 
and we spent like 10 minutes building up this segment for dynamite next week. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of time for a non-pay-per-view segment at, at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surprise me that Jericho won't be on the pay-per-view and that um, you wouldn't do even something like this or nor like anything attached to Callus and Jericho. It seems like that's done now. You know, Callus and Jericho, no continued. Well, actually, you, you had a bit of Callus. There was a segment later, so at least there's some connection there. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like Jericho is doing anything at all out at the moment. And, you know, you do have to build things for the future and and next week on on the on uh, on Dynamite. But should it have come at the expense of, you know, this amount of time on a a long segment and it wasn't really that good, I have to say, you know, um, the constant sort of teasing of like, you know, is he going to turn? I think that's being done so much better in so many other places right now that um, I'm sure audiences standards for it are pretty high. And at this point, um, what, uh, man, what I don't even turning? know if there's that much interest okay. in like seeing Sammy turn on Jericho or vice versa, you know? Okay. Cause I'm talking about Jericho who like he was a heel up until this Don Callis stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the tease was he was going to be a worse heel with Don Callis. Didn't. So I guess that he was a baby face. And then. Except that Wembley. But, you know, that was a one night. Where home, he was a heel at Rev Pro and then went into. Yeah. He was a heel at Wembley, too. But it doesn't matter. That's almost like bizarre world, right? So right now we he is either going to attack Sammy and we view him in. Like, what are we viewing Jer- Jericho as right it now? It could be Sammy attacking Jericho. It could be. You could do that. Yeah. Um, I get the sense he's supposed to be a babyface right now. Okay. But, I mean, bottom line, does he have a hot program coming up? And clearly they're building to Sammy versus Chris Jericho at some point. Um, and maybe they're going to Is that go... the name of the pay-per-view at some point? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the pay-per-view in December he's about to announce. Wrestle Dream. I don't know. Whatever. Um they'll team up for a period and then they'll continue to tease whether or not one person will tease on, onto the, uh, uh, you know, on the other. So uh, maybe this just replaces, you know, Adam Cole and MJF um, and, and whether or not they can get along for this period. BCC is in the back and John Moxley says, everyone has a title. Everyone has a catchphrase, but BCC are not about having a bark. And the wrestler that leaves Chicago with the international title will be the wrestler with the biggest bite. Yeah. Dog, um, I don't know. There was a lot of dog lovers in wrestling. Yeah, there really are. So that was mm-hmm. uh, that was the backdrop for this. Eddie Kingston and Wheeler Yuta. Th- this was a very good match. It was uh, Eddie Kingston comes out, his forehead is bandaged up from Stadium Stampede, but Yuta removes it, and Kingston sends him to the floor, and Kingston hits a tope suicida, and that was quite the visual. And he's selling his arm, uh, which they note will affect the the hurricane, and he hits the big chops in the corner exploder and then kingston is attacking with chops when yuda elbows the injured arm kingston catches him with the half and half lands the urican which yuda staggers up from and then he hits him with a second one and the dude just plunges backward and is pinned in eight minutes and 48 seconds so uh, unlike orange cassidy he has uh his healing properties are very strong within within a match so he's still but he needed two of them they did mention that so there was that uh Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead of just the one, but I, I like this match. And they noted this was his first defense of the strong open weight championship. Oh, is that true? 
Trying to think. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. He won it right before the G1. So he's had no chance to defend it yet. Yeah. Of course, he said plenty of matches, but I guess no defenses yet. So it might be a record for amount of uh, singles matches since winning a title without a defense. Could be. I thought you did did a really good job here. You know, like even as I would say a pretty undersized. um, I thought you were complimenting my recap. I heard you did a good job. You said you. Well, you did do. Oh, you did a great job, John. You know, I I just just recapped the eight minute match. Well, that goes without saying you always do a great job. But I also think I hear what I want to hear. That's clearly (laughs) my that's my vanity coming up. Uh, we, we, Yuda did a very good job. I think, you know, despite being essentially a cruiserweight against the heavyweight, um, still playing, I think, a pretty effective heel targeting the body part here. Uh, so just an update. They did announce a match, uh, after Dynamite went off the air. Tony Khan announced Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata taking on Claudio and Wheeler Yuda at All Out. So, okay. Know, team match for you. Yeah. Cause Claudio comes out here and, he just walks ringside and he won't make any eye contact with Eddie Kingston. He lifts up Yuta and takes him to the back. Obviously, Claudio and Eddie, people have suggested that for Arthur Ashe Stadium, and that would be a good setting for it mm-hmm. uh, because it felt as though they would they would not be rushing to that for the, this Sunday. So, Do we have an ROH match. show coming up? What's no, not a pay-per-view. Like They don't have another one until Final Battle unless they add something. Gotcha. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There were highlights of MJF and Adam Cole, and we go back to the locker room, and MJF is icing his neck, telling Adam Cole that you almost broke my neck six times. And we learn that there is going to be a, wait for it, a battle royal on Rampage, and the winners of the battle royal will challenge Adam Cole and MJF for the ROH tag titles at All Out. Then there's going to be a tournament, an AEW tournament, and the winner of that tournament will get to challenge MJF for the AEW title at Grand Slam on September 20th, as MJF looked into the camera and reminded us uh, plenty of tickets still available for Arthur Ashe Stadium. Mm. I don't really get so, like, you know, um, bent out of shape about there being a lot of battle royals and tournaments. I mean, on a, in a, in a, on a program that is still trying to hold on to some semblance of, I guess, you know, some sort of sporting um, simulation, when you don't have a number one contender's ranking system anymore, the most you're going to get is something like this, you know, to be able to shove and tell to the audience, this is the number one contender. Um, where where I would get bent out of shape is when you spend a 10-minute segment building up a tag match of which the challengers are not even in this battle royal. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, you have to establish yourself as a tag team first, don't you? And I mean, they have... No, been- I'm talking about the kingdom later. Oh, Adam you're not Cole. talking about lay sex gods. No, no, that part's fine. But the fact is, they spent 10 minutes here building up the kingdom against Adam Cole and MJF. And this, te- like, to me, they would be the most obvious team that is they not in this graphic? story. They're, They're not, not in the turn. And I will take all this back if we read the spoilers and the kingdom end up running into this and winning mm-hmm. it, which would make sense. But the teams are the Hardys, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard, Ozzy Open, Khan and Toa, Vincent and Dutch. The Best Friends, Darius Martin and Action Andretti, The Outrunners, 
and Ryan Nemeth and Peter Avalon. Which I yeah. don't think Ryan Nemeth is a uh, problem. Oh, they're just bodies, right? This one. So th- this seems like the Hardys are your only viable option here. Yeah. Maybe the best friends, but the kingdom would be cl- like you have a story there. Like that was the only thing they pushed tonight as the kingdom against MJF and Cole. I mean, I do sense that's more of a long-term program that they're probably not going to burn, you know, on, on Seb. <laughs> Why are we notice. having a pay-per-view on Sunday? Uh, that's a great question. I think for, um, you know, like all I'm hearing uh, is that we have all these big matches, all. but can't just put them on one week after. Well, Again, the, the I thing, didn't book this. Um, this is what you're going to get, dude. Like, I mean, clearly, like, I think it should have big matches on a pay-per-view. I'm very curious to know next year if anything is different, because this is the first time he's had to handle two pay-per-views in back-to-back weekends. Um, Next week is, will he be able to pace the juggling a little bit better? Will he be able to, you know, set up your, your, uh, let's say it's the Hardys. I haven't read spoilers yet, but you know, would he be, have been able to set up the Hardys that much more in the weeks leading up to it? So that by the time you get from all into all out, you have an automatic story for, um, for the challengers. Uh, but yeah, I would suggest that this year has been a failure. Um, yeah. I mean, for as, great as the first week was with, with all in i just man i like this does not well, i don't think be, the build has been was great for all in either well i i think it was a hell of a lot bigger than than this um mm-hmm. so there there are the teams for the battle royal and then renee interviews sammy guevara and gets interrupted by don Callis, who's trying to uh you know get get sammy guevara's ear and says it's hard being jericho's friend calls jericho a sociopath and Mentions Ty being pregnant and congratulates them. And Guevara isn't falling for his ploy. Says he has his own family and tells Callus to get lost. Mm-hmm. So I guess continuing the tease of whether Sammy joins Callus or something else. Adam Cole comes out and he calls all in the greatest pro wrestling show of all time. Thanks everyone that watched. It was the greatest night of my life. And says next time I'll win. Next so, time. Hmm. Yeah, next time. MJF is banged up with a bad neck, but he'll be ready to go on Sunday. So something tells me MJF is is not going to be at 100% on Sunday, and this could let down. He might have the caller. Maybe he needs a neck caller. Well, mm-hmm. then we hear, Adam! Out comes uh, Roderick Strong with the kingdom. And he, <laughs> this was great. You care more about MJF's neck than mine. <laughs> great line. Adam Cole says, I'm sick of this. This is not the guy I've been friends with for over 10 years. So Mike Bennett takes the mic and when he's referred to as, uh, you know, you're just hanging out with these guys. And Bennett says, these guys. And he goes and brings up their history. Going back to 2010 when they had a match at the ECW arena and got themselves signed and thought we had bonded for life. Cole, you were at my wedding. You hosted my bachelor party. We've wrestled everywhere from the Cebu Dome to the Ted Reeve Arena. And the field house here in Chicago, which is the worst city to perform in. And my goodness, the Ted Reeve Arena. Amazing. Did not expect that to ever get a shot at on national TV. No, no. This, uh, the Ted Reeve Arena is, I mean, it was a literal dump in 2009 during a garbage strike when Ring of Honor had to run a show there. It was, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a house league hockey arena. <laughs> That Ring yeah. of Honor called home for many years. Uh, yeah, maybe the Harpos of um, Toronto. Yeah, that's that's probably a good comparison. Taven calls him a leech 
who who ignores all the people from his past, only cares about himself. And Cole apologizes if he made them feel that way. He was once close with them, but a part of friendship is understanding each other and says MJF is not just my one of my best friends. He is my best friend. Strong cannot accept that. He says, I'm entering the Grand Slam tournament and I'm going to beat MJF like you couldn't and become the new champion. Cole calls this a horrible idea with your bad neck. Strong says, I don't need a roll up, uh, a ring or even a good neck to win decisively. I'm breaking everyone's back to win that tournament because I'm a wrestling legend. Roderick Strong has just come into his own in the in this mm. role. Um, and by the end of this, listen, I, I don't think it's the most uh, like uh, blockbuster match, but I was like, at least you have something built up here. This tag match that you could do this ROH tag title match. Um, but that unless we are getting some surprise in this uh, battle Royal does not appear to be the match. That is not the match. I can confirm. Okay. After then, reading spoilers. All right. Can, can we share like the winners is, is this going to ruin rampage for people? Really? Um, sure. Uh, sure. Okay. Tune, uh, skip ahead. Uh, 30 seconds. Dark order. So there was a Penta promo afterward. <laughs> and uh, he refers to John Mox. John Mox, you hurt my brother, and he's coming for him, and he's coming for a singles title, and Alex Abrahantis says he was scouting Moxley while he was in Commander's Corner, and Penta's going to make Moxley bleed like he's never bled before. I thought this was uh, a strong enough luck. promo. I really thought that they were going to go like the time limit here, and this was going to end up being a three-way for the pay-per-view. They went really strong with Penta here, but they ended up going with a decisive winner. I think you needed to just so that you know Orange winning wasn't so telegraphed. Chris Statlander, Dr. Britt Baker, and Hikaru Shida against Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, and Amy Sakura. So, as John Cena noted, this is Amy Sakura's first Dynamite match since December of 2019. Pretty amazing. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think they they'll said, ever... They saw all the tweets after Queen played on Sunday. I don't know if they'll ever do anything with her, um, but she really has herbed, I think, even this sort of spotlight i already feel like she's probably outperformed what they originally intended for her um and you know if she continues like she's been really strong uh and if she continues maybe eventually she'll even get more than just this so the six woman tag it featured uh rose kicking baker from the apron and they had the heat on baker for a long time they went through a picture in picture break and then uh Sheeta comes in, lands a question mark kick onto Amy Sakura, and Baker accidentally nails Sheeta. And this is the second time this has happened. Sheeta goes to the floor, and there's a choke slam to Britt Baker from Nyla Rose. Everyone is is on the floor, and Chris Statlander hits a high cross um, after climbing to the top, and then wins with the Wednesday Night Fever to Marina Shafir in seven minutes and seventeen seconds. Baker is trying to explain what happened with Sheeta, who's looking rather annoyed. And then Ruby Soho jumps Chris Statlander in the ring, hitting no future, grabs the TBS title and leaves the ring with it. And the announcers are saying she's stealing the title. And then Ruby Soho just places it down on the ramp and, and leaves with it, realizes that's too far. I, I can't steal this belt. She wanted to threaten the theft. So she leaves it on the ramp. And, uh, and, and that was that. So um, mm -hmm. the big match coming out of this is uh, Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. Which is uh, at this legendary somewhere uh, somewhere down the road. 
Oh, come on, John. You have to, you know, put in teases for, for your future storylines. Um, and obviously this was the, uh, the do their best to heat up Statlander for the Ruby Soho match coming up on Sunday. I really like, I don't know why we don't see these sort of like multi-women matches more often involving the TNT champion as well as like people that I guess are sort of seen more so on the world championship side of things it feels like for the longest time especially when jade was active um the tnt division was almost its own thing sequestered entirely from the world championship division so it was nice to see statlander what i was just saying it was yeah 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 so it was nice to see statlander here getting the mix with the sheeta and baker and it seems like they're continuing that trios um you know to tell further stories with everybody involved so it allows easy transition between you know the two championships for other people to challenge the the the, uh, the champions and i thought it was really nice that ad sakura marina shafir nyla rose you know people you don't typically see on dynamite got this sort of airtime tonight they made the announcement that Samoa Joe will defend the ROH Television Championship against Shane Taylor at All Out in Chicago on Sunday. And we got a promo from Taylor. Don Callis, uh, this was great. Don Callis had secured all of Kenny Omega's x-rays and went over all of his injuries with Kanosuke Takeshita while violating, I think, all HIPAA protocols in the process on national television. He has devised a game plan to attack his neck then shows him uh, the hernia injury that he had. So he targets the abdominal cavity by using the blue thunder bomb and telling him over and over the right side onto the right side. And if all else fails, we've got the screwdriver. Uh, This was great. It was 30 seconds and it outlined the whole story of the match. This guy has all these pre-existing injuries. Don Callis knows all of these weaknesses and we attached the guy's moves that target these injuries. I thought this was a really like well thought of segment. And this was 60 seconds tops. And I think it was one of the best things on the show. It, it, but it took a, clearly a lot of pre-planning and a lot of pre-production because Callis was really good with this touchscreen thing, you know, like they, they found some great clips and, and like got all, all those x-rays and he just felt so seamless with it. You know, I got this, I got this, tap the screen. And then here's this, here's this, tap the screen. Here's my next line. Like it all went really, really smoothly as if like he was, you know, conducting some sort of like weather report. Um, Very impressive. The acclaimed come out and uh, Max does a rap that they do more numbers than math class. They never froze like Mitch McConnell and looking pissed like Trump in his mugshot. And daddy ass was in this pink outfit that Taz just had no words to describe. And uh, daddy ass says that they are short on time, which I, if they were, um, this, this went very lengthy. And he says that daddy ass is back. He was only gone for one day. Max calls them the miracle menage. And last year, Chicago lifted the acclaimed and moved them to the next level. And we're going to lift these titles up with pride and dominate the trios division. And they're having a ribbon cutting ceremony. So they pull out scissors, which allows Billy to state, you have a little one. What if we use my big one? As he pulls out the large set of scissors and cuts the ribbon. And Bowens welcomes us to the house of ass and says that these belts are kind of dull. So they unveil new pink titles uh, that... The strap in the back, scissors to lock the the strap in the back. And um, they will make a ton of money off of these belts. And this segment, at the end, the acclaimed announced that they will defend their trios titles on collision. Yeah. 
I mean, it, I, I don't know what to say, John. Like, I mean, you're kind of leaving this empty space for me to to criticize. But, I mean, they also just have all these other shows that they have to have big things for, you know. We'd probably – somebody would be complaining that there would be no reason to watch Collision if, you know, they they didn't have something is, like this. Is this a reason to watch Collision? Maybe for some people. At least Maybe. it's giving them something, you know. Would it have been a reason to watch All Out? I would more so look at you have two hours to sell this pay-per-view and we had multiple segments that were very long. They have a lot of shows that they have to build beyond all this week. Your focus is a $50 pay-per-view on Sunday. I would say that would be my focus for just give up on, on collision. You're not giving up on collision, but you're not telling me you need 10 minutes to dedicate to an, uh, an acclaimed segment or a, a tag match. Like we didn't even have opponents announced for this this tag match at the end. This of This wasn't just to dedicate to the tag, like to the to the acclaimed match on Collision. It was just to you know give a segment for the acclaimed. All right, they got a segment for the acclaimed. <laughs> we had promos for all the teams in the battle royal, and we've got the tag team battle royal, and then Hangman Page against Brian Keith on Rampage. Which will probably be a hell of a match, to be honest. Brian Keith. I guess that's all they needed for collision, really. That is, that's all they needed. Uh, Rampage. Collision, on the other hand, has the outcasts, all three of them, against Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker, Dax Harwood against Jay White, and the acclaimed against Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Daniel Garcia for the trios titles. Mm -hmm. Orange Cassidy against Penta for the international championship. Excalibur says, if you look really closely, you can see the stab wounds on Orange Cassidy's head from Moxley's fork. So they go through the break. Uh, Penta hits a super kick on the floor, lands a tope con hero, and Tony thinks he landed on Orange Cassidy's bad right hand with the dive. And then we have Cassidy come back with a stun dog, satellite DDT, and then they go through a second commercial break, and Penta's trying to snap the arm. Cassidy fights it, and he comes back with these weak slaps that have nothing behind them. And then they go back and forth trading destroyers with Cassidy hitting two of them, and the crowd got into these... Uh, the sequence of destroyers and then an orange punch misses allowing Penta to hit made in Japan Cassidy kicks out and then he goes for the orange punch which is stopped when Penta super kicks the hand and they move on to the edge of the apron where Penta hits a fear factor orange grabs the rope breaking the count and then after Penta snaps the right arm he hits the fear factor and this crowd they were prepared like maybe this is it but Cassidy kicks out and catches Penta with a crucifix in 16 minutes and 55 seconds to retain the international championship, setting up Orange Cassidy and John Moxley for Sunday. I thought this was a really good match. You know, really, really strong main event, as most Orange Cassidy title defenses tend to be at this stage of the um, of the uh, uh, run. And Penta building the entire match around the arm break. I thought this was probably the, the most... Um, uh, the most meaningful arm break spot that Penta has probably done in AEW, you know, to the point where like I was able to at least suspend my disbelief belief a little bit to think that he could have possibly um gotten some sort of weird like shock victory. Uh, I thought I thought it was brilliant because you on this show, like here he snaps the arm, and how did Moxley win his match that we just saw an hour and a half ago? Like with the arm bar, like you have this this perfect um like device for for the pay-per-view like he's coming in with this injured arm and here's this guy that has his death jiu-jitsu that can target the arm can target the hand uh i i thought they did an excellent job building this up for sunday 
This this feels like this could be the main event of the show from from in my opinion. I think it probably will be. I don't think that's the worst like of what you've got. Like you've got to work with what you. Well, have. I think it's very likely Orange loses the championship, and if that's the case, I mean this international title run has been built up so well. I you know a lot of people feeling it's the best title run in North American professional wrestling right now, and um, due to extenuating circumstances, if you have to shove anything up into the main event, it would certainly be this. So Orange Cassidy sits down on a chair. He says he doesn't usually talk. He is so tired. His body hurts. And every time he fights, his backpack gets a bit heavier. But he's here. He's wrestling. He's defending the international title, which means everything to him. This is what AEW means as he holds the title out. And he was told he'll never do anything. You're too skinny. You're too short. You're too different. He's the champion. And he's going to continue to defend it for as long as he wants. And there's nothing anyone can do to take it from him. And he addresses John Moxley and says, you better bring more than just a fork because I will always be the international champion. I am freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase. And with that, Moxley walks down and they go nose to nose. They trade strikes. And that's how the show ends. And I would say the the last 20 minutes of the show uh, salvaged it for me because I, I was very down on this episode of, of Dynamite. It was a dynamite very much lacking in star power. Tony Khan did tweet earlier before the show went on that. Uh, what does he say here? There were some uh, minor um, illnesses uh, due to minor as illnesses, well as the, the, big, the hurricane in Florida. Due to minor illnesses, the big talent traveling this week and Hurricane Adalia affecting flights. I've changed some plans for collision tonight. So who knows what the reason was, but this was certainly a dynamite that felt like it was very much lacking in star power. Um, you did not have any members of the elite. Obviously, no MJF. Obviously, no CM Punk. Um, and well, CM Punk wasn't going to be attached to this anyway. But um, beyond that, I don't think they had much direction for um, the big programs. I mean, MJF, you know, um, is in a tag team program. He's not defending the titles at, at all out. Um, no word on it. You know, well, I guess the Bucks have a multi man match that they built up, Kenny versus Takeshita. But it did certainly didn't feel like a go-home show. And clearly, they were handicapped. Well, this is the card for All Out. So we have uh, Luchasaurus against Darby Allen for the TNT title. Miro against Powerhouse Hobbs. Chris Statlander against Ruby Soho for the TBS title. Orange Cassidy against John Moxley for the international title. Kenny Omega against Kanosuke Takeshita. Bullet Club Gold against FTR and the Young Bucks in an eight-man tag. Adam Cole and MJF defending against the Dark Order for the ROH tag titles. Samoa Joe against Shane Taylor for the ROH television title. And Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. Again, I look on paper. And just to add to that, um, Tony Khan announced that on Collision, Ricky Starks will appear live to challenge Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to a strap match at All Out. Oh, okay. Well, that's certainly going to the well to do something um outside of the box um to do a match with ricky steamboat for the pay-per-view yeah it's rare that they they're so specific about like you know this person challenging this other person to a specific type of match so we have seen you know what is it uh, they're basically telling you that match is happening at the pay-per-view i mean well, i, I was gonna say we have seen like you know jack perry call out jerry lynn and they tease that for a whole week and it turns out jerry lynn was um you know saving up for like the rbd challenge this could be that but with such a short amount of time this very likely could just be ricky steamboat coming in and essentially it's filling in for cm punk yeah, and if they have any hope of salvaging something, like it's always Punk can come to Steamboat's aid and 
and you set that up. But I think the, I think people's uh, expectation of that is probably pretty low uh, at, at this point. Um, nor do I think like a Punk and Ricky Starks match uh, like takes this pay per view and suddenly it's like I. I see this being a real challenge for like, this is, we're going to learn something on Sunday. Like if this does a remarkably, like I would say if this does 110,000 buys or over, I would say, listen, this is an audience that it was like, you have a really solid foundation when it comes to running a pay-per-view because this is the first AEW pay-per-view I can feel that does not have a big feel attached to it. Like it, there's some very good matches. I don't doubt it'll be a very good wrestling show, um, but it's, it's the least um, important pay-per-view. I, I feel AEW has promoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think having punk in Chicago headlining basically pr- would have added, you know, a good deal, but I don't know if like even the stocks match feels like s- so, so big you know, compared to maybe an an addition of collision, for instance. Um, but it would have added something still. Um, you know, you have everybody uh, like who's a star on your roster wrestling on this show at this point, you know, but um, all, some of them are tag matches. I mean, you've got um, Cole and MJF t- teaming up for their first t- tag title defense. Uh, the Bucks and FTR teaming up in a multi-person match. Um, but those could turn out well. You know, um, Hobbs and Nero have had a good amount of TV time. Kenny versus Takeshi has had a good amount of TV time. I'm sure that'll be very good as well. So I think you're di- there's enough here for your diehards to still be interested. You got a lot of great, like, supporting matches. I just think this this show, it lacks a big main event. Yeah, I would put a lot of push behind, well, if they had the time, you know, to behind Orange Cassidy and John Moxley. I mean, it really pushed this as the potential end of Orange Cassidy's title run. I think that in, in and of itself. Or it's his biggest win. I mean, I, I don't know how quick I would be to end this run. Like, it, it, certainly this is a level of opponent that if you were going to end it, Moxley is more than uh And tonight's suitable. promo felt like a goodbye promo to me. Yeah. Um, it's I, I'm really intrigued by that match. I think, like, of this lineup here, I think you could very much justify that closing the show. Like, it's what would you say that and maybe Omega Takeshita? Like there isn't mm-hmm. the clear, obvious choice to end the show. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't be a, you know, cold. I, I'd end with the title match. match. I mean, it just it. Listen, you're in this position. You don't have this punk title match, most likely, and mm-hmm. let's end with a title match. And it tells you the international title is, a, yeah, that's what we're gonna go with. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of feedback, so uh, if you want to send in any Super Chats, you're welcome to do so, and uh, we will head on over to the forum. We got one here from Jake Olinar, who sends $5. Thank you for the support, Jake, in the Windy City. He says, we do have the true main event on Sunday, and that is Toshiaki Kawada at StarCast, and Eddie Kingston being kid in a candy store interviewing him. Interesting. Is that happening at StarCast? Yeah, that's one another of the, interview. That's one of the panels that they are uh, that they are doing at Starcast, which begins oh, Friday. That's pretty cool. Saeed writes: simple and effective promo by Orange makes me look forward to the match even more. Are we building Sammy and Jericho for full gear, or do you imagine it will be blown off on a dynamite? Fun matches tonight, but match of the night will have to be Orange Cassidy and Penta. For Dynamite standards, I feel like this wasn't a strong one, especially leading into another pay-per-view. Collision is looking to be a great card. Any early thoughts on what the main event could be for All Out? Uh any early thoughts on what could be the main event? We for just all said. Out? We just said. Yeah, I mean, 
we don't really have early thoughts. Like <laughs> the show's in a couple of days. I don't know. Um, shout out to the women at the volleyball game in Nebraska, drawing 92,003 fans in attendance, an all-time record for a women's sporting event. All right, let's go to up next. Uh, who do we have? We have Mark who says, given the apparent COVID wave that has crashed down upon the locker room who traveled to all in, uh, we're not reporting that. I've not heard that. I don't know anything about that. Combined with the uh, Punk Perry controversy and travel issues this week, I'd, I'd say the show managed to be a solid episode. All Out definitely reads on paper like a mixed bag, but I have no doubt that it will deliver in ring. Moxley and Orange Cassidy as a main event could definitely work as a top match, a match between two of the company's absolute MVPs who could always be entrusted with delivering. I think if that is the main event for All Out, it will not disappoint. Could be the biggest match of Orange Cassidy's career. I enjoyed a lot on the card tonight. A huge fan of the random women's trios match. I missed those early days of AEW women's multi-person or triple trios matches. It's something they should do more of. Jericho's reaction to the crowd really makes me realize how much of a bubble Twitter is, as Chicago seemed very into him. And on top of that, in general, given the online discourse surrounding Punk and Perry, it did not feel at all like the crowd in Chicago wasn't happy with what they were getting or ever trying to hijack the show. I think they're just as frustrated with Punk's storm cloud and just want to enjoy a product that holds Chicago in high regard, regardless if Punk is part of it or not. All right, let's uh, let, let's continue on here. We will go to Alex, who says that COVID waves are definitely returning and wrestling isn't immune. Orange Cassidy main event was great with a good destroyer uh, spot. Amazing promo. Two main event level matches with Orange Cassidy and Mox and Omega and Takeshita. Some odd choices like Shane Taylor would have rather seen Athena. I mean, Athena's on... Anyway, despite everything, All Out is shaping up to be decent enough to garner some interest, which seemed impossible 24 hours ago. And we go to Andrew from Cape Breton, who says, A few months ago when I did my Rewind Away episode, I talked about how impressed I was with Mike Bennett. Since then, Mike has gone through with the ringer career-wise, and a career-killing gimmick is the cuck being the most notable thing he's done. Put him in a team with the worst ROH champion ever, and you have a team that has been behind the eight ball for a long time. But tonight, I thought they really showed up, Bennett in particular. I'm really liking this trio with Roderick Strong, and Roddy has really been a highlight throughout the week. I like the show, but I'm a bit disappointed with the all-out card. I feel this could end up being one of the worst drawing pay-per-views since they started. I like the Cole and MJF team, but it feels like both could be doing something different. I know it won't happen, but I think they would drive immediate interest in the show uh, if Punk versus Perry can somehow... (laughs) Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, no, and, and nor do I feel it would be some big deal either. I think that that's really like being in the. I I, I don't think people are buying a pay per view for a match like that. I think that's really reading the situation as like being bigger than it is. And what kind of uh, message does this send to your locker room? It, just for a whole host of reasons. I mean, it's just it's not. Yeah, I I, I don't think that'd be a, a good idea for for many reasons. Okay, we go to uh, Joe. Did you guys think that parts of Moxley and Cassidy's promos tonight were shots at CM Punk? I could imagine you not not as much, no. Um, and like, I, what? I, I don't even, I don't know. Uh, anything could be a shot at somebody, and I, I didn't look at anything. Nothing stood out to me. I would imagine their match uh, would be the main event at All Out. It's great to see Cassidy in a featured match. I see no doubt that the two will rock the United Center. And shout out to my fellow Clevelander, Shane Taylor, receiving an ROH title match against Samoa Joe. Finally, on the punk front, do you think whoever is talking to the wrestling media besides Tony Khan may be exaggerating some of the backstage stories because they don't want punk in AEW? 
I guess the Perry incident was bad enough to warrant suspensions. Do you guys think it would be better off to just release Punk now? Take the hit and repackage Collision if you must. Okay, there's like 5,000 questions in here. Thank you, Joe. Um, there's You're asking us to like get into the heads of motives of different people. That is impossible to do. Um, could you rebuild Collision uh, without Punk over time? Yes, you, you could. But at this point, he is the biggest star you could argue on either show uh, but especially on saturday night it's very important that they have uh, enough to draw on on a saturday night i think if punk is not there on this saturday night um you'll see that impact because it's the double whammy of no punk and you're up against a wwe show so you'll see the immediate effect on on saturday yeah yeah i mean we don't know how long this this suspension is but they might be forced to do just that you know if it's anything longer than just a week so we'll see. David from Israel says, I buy every AEW pay-per-view, and I think I'm skipping this one, unfortunately. The card just isn't really exciting for me, and a lot of the matches there wouldn't even be super appealing to me on a Dynamite. And having to spend full price for a card this week, marquee-wise, a week after spending full price on All In, just isn't worth it. I know a lot of people will blame Punk and Perry for the show possibly tanking buys. What? tanking buys wise but i don't think punk and starks 3 is the difference between this pay-per-view card feeling strong or weak i'm sure the wrestling will end up being great and the show will be a thumbs up show and i like supporting AEW and stay up at crazy hours due to the time difference to watch the shows but i don't think i can justify paying full price for a show like this after just spending it on all in i'd agree in the sense that i i don't think the cm punk involvement here is would, would be changing people's thoughts like you still had one week to build this up and the punk starts feud is certainly that's not a cold match they've been building it all summer um but i I still think like this this experiment of trying to run uh a week apart it certainly doesn't feel like you have created that that buzz and momentum but we we are all going into this blind because we don't know what the end result is going to be and ultimately if this show does really well then we have to look at this as this ultimately this worked and this is a this is an audience that whether it is just brand loyalty or match quality means a whole of a hell lot more than building up long programs for payoffs we're going to learn something based on on this number i'm very intrigued to to see it and if it does really well then i would have to say so here. so what's your bar for really well i as i said earlier i would say if the, if this one to me does over 110 i'd be really happy with 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 that figure coming one week after that show at, at all in and the fact that people are spending the same amount one week later for a card that i i didn't feel a whole lot of buzz for i would say like 110 and and above would be even though people will look at that as a disappointing number i don't when you're talking about one week apart from pay-per-views do we have a like what does the 110 put it at um you know compared to their their history it, it it would be outperforming the, some of the earlier shows, but definitely below the bar that they've been doing, I'll say, in the post-CM Punk era. And, and just for comparison's sake, like, what does an ROH show do, typically? ROH is not doing 110. Yeah, like, what what does it do? I don't know what the last... I, I don't know off the top of my head what the um the, the Super Card show did. Right. Because just, you know, that's just even another level of like depth, um, you know, fandom that, um, you know, like oftentimes, I guess we go into those shows very similarly, not knowing what the card is until, you know, like a Friday um, or or like whatever, you know, two days beforehand. 
and um you at least have a certain segment of, of a hardcore fan base to rely on but is that going to be the case are they at least a hundred thousand people ben sends a super chat he says will tony khan pay for alan parsons project for ricky steamboat oh man um I'm my, yes. my hunch would say yes yeah Cody from Maine, recapping the pay-per-view that just happened, promoting the next one that just four days away and starting to build for Grand Slam all on the same show. I mean, the build for Grand Slam was limited to what, like a line from MJF. Uh, what a bizarre but enjoyable edition of Dynamite. Highlighted for me by Orange Cassidy's performance and the Roderick Strong segment. I called it that I call it that because Roddy stole the show, he has been so, so good in this role. The all-out card as it stands does have my intrigue, especially with the addition of the international title. But man, another $50 for a lesser card than we got this past weekend is tough. It's not that bad when there were only four to five pay-per-views a year. But given that they're keeping the schedule for next year, I really hope all-out is part of a subscription on Max, as you've discussed as a possibility, or at least discounted at around $30 to $35. Ordering the pay-per-view will probably be a day of decision. Mr. Kane says, overall, I thought tonight was an easy watch for Dynamite. Light on the action, but decent with the promo segments. Besides, the action was enjoyable. I'm sure the live crowd is getting more. Tony Storm is a treasure. I'm looking forward to seeing how she and the outcasts continue to crumble. Takeshita will finally destroy Omega and completely be lost to the dark side. Mox versus Orange Cassidy will be brutally great. These two consistently deliver, and I think they'll do it again in the clutch. I really enjoyed seeing the kingdom in the mix with the Cole and MJF story. I remember meeting Matt Taven at the crash in Tijuana, Mexico, and congratulating him on the Wembley announcement, and then I looked forward to seeing him there. He appreciated it, but he had his doubts whether he'd be booked. Glad to see it turned out okay. And the last one comes from Jordan in the Bronx. It seems like many outside factors, not counting the punk issues, hampered tonight's show. It wasn't the most stellar dynamite, but it did a lot to set up some direction for the next month. Orange Cassidy was a star among stars tonight. He's on my short list for wrestler of the year. I like Shane Taylor getting a pay-per-view match, but the AEW audience has never seen him wrestle on TV. A match with Joe feels like it's pulled from a hat. Meanwhile, someone like Athena still has virtually no presence on AEW TV or pay-per-view at all. And that's a shame. I would also have loved to have seen Ricky Starks or Andrade get on the pay-per-view since they weren't at all in. Maybe there's more set up on collision for them. Well, Ricky Starks, there definitely will be. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you, everybody, for the feedback uh, coming out of tonight's uh, divisive edition of Dynamite. But we will be back on Thursday. We've got the Ask Away mailbag show coming your way as we will be going through all of your questions. And on Friday night, we will be chatting all about SmackDown and everyone reacting to the Battle Royal and Hangman Page versus Brian Keith. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that Battle Royal. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, double pay-per-view. What, what, what do you think is uh, – what's the pay-per-view you're more intrigued by this weekend? Um, so what's payback? What's on payback again? Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. And the cage match. They're both like, I mean, that's a pretty weak WWE pay-per-view show as well. So mm-hmm. I can't really say I'm I'm so terribly excited for it. I I mean, based on I think like standard of quality, I don't know. I would say they're both pretty equal, honestly. I think all out's gonna be a really good show. Just looking at the at the lineup, like it would I still think it's gonna be a really good show, but I can't say I'm feeling either one uh here mm-hmm. on this Wednesday. Like they they feel like these are yeah. our, our pay-per-view commitments for the weekend. All right. Your commitment will be to, uh, to join us for all of our shows in the uh, in the coming days, and uh, we will be signing off. So go keep it locked to postwrestling.com and roll the credits way.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.